Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is a little bit different from our normal shows. Uh, this is going to be our first DMs only. Uh, we have three experienced DMs at the table today, and we are uh, glad to welcome our good friend Caleb. Caleb, welcome. Thank you for being part of our panel today. Glad to be here. We also have Ryan. Hello. And, of course, myself, Kevin. I actually remembered myself. <laughs> Proud of you. I know. So this is going to be a little different. Uh, these are going to be just about uh, situations, um, stories, things that happen to a DM uh, more so than a character. So we've got uh, Caleb had some extra time, so we you know, absolutely welcomed him into this. And uh, hopefully we can get him to come back a little more uh, in the future. He is a little tied up. Uh, he's working. He's running his own campaign. He's also, um, you're still in Magic the Gathering? You're still doing... Uh, yes, I've been playing a lot of Magic the Gathering as well. And the, just, there's a uh, Commander League that's by my house. That's, that the, been, that's yeah. what it was, a league. I couldn't remember, I, I couldn't remember how, how they, they uh, named that. So he's, uh, he's pretty busy. Um, we keep trying to get him to kill off the uh, characters in his current campaign so he can come play with us, but... Uh, they just won't die. I don't know what's... They're literally like, in the underworld, and they still aren't dead. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, turning them loose, and, uh, you know, it's like uh, rabbits, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only can you not kill them, they reproduce as fast as you can uh, catch them, so... Well, anyway, with that vein, we are, uh, this is our first run, so we are just going to kind of open it up. Um, I want to kind of get the background of all of us, and we can start with uh, our, our new guest here, Caleb. Caleb, how long have you been DMing, um, and how many campaigns do you think you have under your belt? How many games, or should I say sessions, have you uh, you had so far? Um, so for myself, I have DM'd a lot of different sessions, but in terms of campaigns, uh, the current one that I'm running is probably the first campaign that I've ever run, uh, entirely. Most of the time that I've been running campaigns or sessions has mainly been one shots. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, uh, I really want to introduce new people to D&D 5e and just D&D in general. So I run a lot of one-shots to introduce people like how to play the game, uh, what are some uh, fun things you can do in the game, what items you can collect, uh, actions, and all that jazz, and what like what everybody's been hearing about like the awesome stories that come from D&D. Uh, that's what I would like to introduce more people to. That's awesome. And uh, for any of our listeners that don't know what a one-shot is, and I'm, I'm guessing it might be more than a few, one-shot is basically a one-off game. It's uh, quick. A lot of times they'll have uh, prefab characters or they'll be very simplified. Uh, they don't necessarily even need a session zero. It's all pretty much all in one. Um, and it's, it's, it's very simplified to bring people in and let them in- experience the fun of the game without having to get them, you know, so, you know, mired down in, in uh, character creation and whatnot. Um, now, do you typically have a session zero or is it just a, a one and go? Uh, it's more of a one and go. Uh, a lot of the times I will message my players uh, earlier on that week or maybe like the week before to uh, give them like some breakdowns of like what to create and what to expect. So for like the most recent one, uh, all I told them was that they're going to be going to a carnival and that they should be making a level five character. Uh, 
what else entails when they get to the carnival. That's, you know, that's what you just uh, figure out when you get to the table. Right. And I think that's kind of the idea behind one shots is if you're planning out and doing a session zero, you're doing it wrong because then it's more <laughs> than one shot. Yeah. Um, so I think generally the expectation is you're either going to come to the table and have a prefab made for you or your DM is going to give you the parameters beforehand and you're expected to bring your own character to the session. Yeah. Sometimes if like the player has never played D&D before, I will make a character beforehand just to uh, not put them through the entire process of making a character and then uh if they are encouraged or if they want to go to another one shot that i'm hosting i would encourage them to read up on the player's handbook and then create a character then right now have you ever had a one shot turn into a full-blown campaign i i have heard of that happening where the, <laughs> the the players are so thrilled and they love what they're doing and they love the characters they had um and also, you know, usually if you start at level five, that's pretty darn nice, you know. Yeah. We sure have tried to get Caleb to turn a one-shot <laughs> campaign. There's, there's been a couple of times, like, uh, I made a heist one-shot that everybody wanted to become, like, uh, big-time heisters, and they were just going to, like, rob, like, museum after museum <laughs> or, like, archive after archive, and I was like, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and then I think the closest one, because sometimes I run the same session or the same story multiple days just so it works with other people's schedules. Uh, right, right. Sometimes people will just bring in their same character and then uh, have it a continuation of, like, a story between those, like, sessions. Okay. So, okay. like, uh, Ryan made a character where... He basically was experiencing Groundhog Day every every time. Oh yeah. And he was like, <laughs> "All right, I am here again. Why am I am I back here? I guess you know I'm just going to get drunk for an, like you know another day in a row, and it it gets really funny." <laughs> and then he got crushed by a meteor, and apparently that was the escape to the Groundhog's Day loop. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. You know, there, there's okay one way out. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so um, and Ryan, you've been. You've done several campaigns. You've been... I, I don't even remember how long you've been DMing. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I want to say the first time I started DMing was probably around like the beginning of high school, so about eight years ago. Uh, the current campaign that I've been running is about a year and a half old now, a little short of that. Um, and then as for like how many games that I've like actually DMed, I've DM'd a lot that haven't gone very far, like one or two sessions, and that's just because of like player commitment. Like I'll be like, "Hey, do you guys want to play?" and everybody's like, eh, "I don't know, maybe." <laughs> and so, I've had probably 5 or 6 of those that fizzle out after like one or two sessions where people just like it didn't live up to their expectations or it's not what they expected it to be or like schedules got in the way. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, so um, I have a bit of DMing experience under my belt. Uh, and it was funny when you were talking about Caleb having a one-shot turn into a campaign. That's actually how my current campaign started. <laughs> um, we had uh, another DM that was running a campaign for us, but he hit a point where he wanted to like focus on school. Um, and so what? he didn't have the time to DM and like plan out sessions in advance. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll probably... Like, if it's cool with you, I'll just run, like, a little joke campaign on the side that it's just so people have something to do on Wednesday nights. Um, and, like, 
we'll just, you know, it'll be fun and stupid. And, (laughs) um, then, so that started, we got like, I think one or two sessions in and then he was like, yeah, uh, I actually don't think I'm going to be able to keep DMing. I think I'm just going to drop the campaign. And so I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm the DM now (laughs) and this is going to become the main campaign, not like a funny offshoot. So I gave everybody a chance to like re-roll their characters into something a little bit more serious if they wanted to, because that was the kind of like theme that we wanted to go with. <laughs> um, and like some of those characters persisted all the way through that campaign arc um, and into the next one, which um, and then I think we're on arc three at this point. If I had to keep track, wow. Yeah. So. A year and a half later, we are right. still playing the same game, and, and it's been fun. And now we have another side campaign, but this one's—I <laughs> don't know what to say about it. We've been—we basically gets... just been playing it over the summer. Yeah, um, it was just kind of like a fun little like step away from the main campaign because we hit like an organic break where we could like do something fun for a little bit, just like a change of pace. And people have been enjoying this one, and it might be more than just a like summer long thing. It might <laughs> keep going. We'll see. I mean, I still would like to play that paladin that I left behind well, sure. in the original. I want to get back to the main <laughs> campaign too, but I'm having a lot of fun with the side campaign. Oh yeah, also. for sure. So, yeah, I think sometimes the 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 characters that are flawed, and you never really anticipated taking them for any distance. You know, like if you're doing a if you're doing a one shot, you know, it's like oh, yeah, sure, I'll play that. I've never played one of those. I'll give it a shot. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, there are so many fun things you can do with this guy. Right. Like a wizard who's you know I don't know a, an alcoholic and you know and all of his, his spells misfire but in, in, when they do they do miraculous things. I want you to know that that was literally my character from the first <laughs> <Kong game. laughs> it, it was a wild magic sorcerer that was a complete drunkard. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, <laughs> but I mean things like that, you know, or you know, uh, you know, a paladin that has no strength but he's you, you know sharp, you know, and I mean he can use his mind. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, back in the day when I first started to play and then I eventually ended up uh, DMing, uh, and we're talking, you know, longer than you guys have been around, but, uh, you know, it was more of a mechanics. It was like uh, Ryan had referred to um, in one of our other uh, episodes that it was more like a, a strategic, it was a war simulation game, but based on... Uh, like a renaissance period or the medieval period and people really enjoyed that and then of course the you know the at the time uh, the lord of the rings was very popular uh you know as far as a, a read for you know the nerds and geeks of the time and uh, matter of fact uh, tsr which was the first company that uh, dealt with the the D and um, they actually were sued because they actually referred to the halflings as hobbits hobbits and they received a a cease and desist and so they became halflings and there were some other you know uh, because you know gygax didn't see the the problem he just thought it would be you know hey that's just going to make you more popular right Mm -hmm. you know but they didn't you know with tail token you know he didn't want that stigma of the day being attached to his works mm-hmm. and you know and unfortunately back in the day when it first came out in the 70s 
Um, you know, it was pre-60s, a lot of psychedelic drugs and hippies, you know, and everybody was just, that was, you know, something the nerds took and underground and, you know, people, oh, my character died and they go off and commit suicide. There may be one or two instances, you know, but um, they looked at it as the dark and deep. And I've said before, you know, that's one when you play D&D, you didn't tell anybody, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't want anybody to know because that automatically classified you as a, you know, as a, a geek, a nerd. What we didn't realize is they had already classified us as that. It wasn't like it was something that, you know, would have surprised anybody. But, uh, you know, you started with friends and family members. So I remember, you know, getting my brother and my younger cousins to play. And uh, eventually they had played enough and a couple of them tried to DM. Um, my cousin Brian, I, he was so young. I don't even remember how young he was when he first DM'd. Did a fair job. Uh, we all had miraculous uh, uh, treasure items by the end of the, the thing. Hmm. Everybody had Vorpal Swords. Uh, I had a Helm of Brilliance. Uh, I think the uh, apparatus of Kowalsh was involved with somebody. You know, I mean, he just kind of went through the treasure. It's like, oh, they'll like this, they'll like this. You know, but back in the day, it was just mechanics, and mm-hmm. that's all it was. You know, and you needed that sword because that sword was the only thing that was going to provide you what you needed to make it to the next level, to get up, and you know, to to vanquish the foe. Right. Nowadays, it's a completely different game. Um, a lot more thought goes into it. You know, and I, I watch how some people play, and it's unique, and it's interesting, and it's not how you know we would have ever played like austin yeah austin (laughs) we didn't even know who he was he you know we we really were you know i would have assumed bard honestly Mm -hmm. he got thrown in jail before we saw anything that would have indicated what class he was playing right was Uh, he not a bard no No. he was a sorcerer what yeah okay yeah (laughs) and and really no indication we didn't see it i mean Metagame, yes, we, we could see some of the things that he did outside of our view as players. And that was unique. You I mean, know, in but, character, I would have assumed he was like a ranger or something. Yeah, it's really, you know, just... The you only know. combat that he was in was him sicking his dog with a knife in its mouth on a guard. Well, and he, <laughs> he did, uh, he was after the orc as well, remember, that uh, tried to steal his dog. Right. There was, a, there was some kind of a interaction, and I think he did throw a spell out. See invisibility. Oh, an acid arrow. Those yeah, that's two. what it was. It was an acid arrow. Yeah. Um, but then he. I think both of those are on the ranger spell list, by the way. Yeah, probably so. so. That would have made sense. <laughs> that would have made sense. But uh, I think people today, you know, take it a little bit further, which is really interesting. And I think that's what is making it, um, giving it, I guess, the comeback that it really needed, uh, because the nerds and the geeks, you know, they're they're becoming social. Yeah, you know, everything that used to be geekish and nerdish, uh, you know, that we, you know, computers and everything, all of a sudden now everybody, you know, multimedia, you know, all your social media, uh, everything is based on these same platforms. You know, we used to be, you know, I remember back in early 80s, maybe, the Trash 80. It was a uh, small computer about the size of, I don't know, maybe a small dictionary now. No, not small, but a, a smaller dictionary. Not like the Oxford that's, you know, five inches thick. This thing, it, it was probably two inches thick, and it was probably eight inches by maybe six inches. And it was a monochrome screen, and it had a keyboard on it. 
it was the first laptop but you could huck that thing across rooms and it could bounce and you know and it just i mean they were made like you know like bulletproof nowadays man I, you drop your phone oh there's twelve hundred dollars out the door you know how did we get to this well <laughs> what i was getting at is that when you look at that everything is kind of turned around and it's not geekish to have a computer or play in the computers anymore i mean you still have the you know the mentality of the guy who you know sits in his room never comes out and plays a computer and that's all he does but i mean i don't know of anybody like that anymore everybody gets out even ryan (laughs) once in a while but you know i think it it's it's I'm not going to say stylish to be a nerd or a geek, but I think it's it's more mainstream. It's very pop culture now. Right. And you've got, you know, we have to hand it to a lot of the celebs who have made D&D, you know, what it is. I feel Uh, like this conversation comes up like every three episodes. It pretty much does. Like D&D is mainstream now. But I mean, I think that has changed the way that uh, players play. You know, I think people are, you've got people that are, that have more creativity. Sure. And I love seeing it. new players play because they always come up with like things that you would never think of as an ex- experienced player. Like in a one shot that Caleb was running where they like had introduced new people to the game, like in two different sessions, I saw, um, two people playing the same pre-made character. One of them, um, like we got to a locked door and one of them was like can i freeze the lock and then like break it off with my ice breath because they were playing a silver dragonborn and then (laughs) the same uh like lock i saw another player go can i use ray of frost on this lock to freeze it and break it off and i'm like i wouldn't have thought of that i would have just been like all right where's the rogue or like who has a crowbar that's yeah so like and to people, this day, I still carry a crowbar no matter what oh, my course. character is. Yeah. I always have a. <laughs> it's <crowbar>. invaluable. <laughs> oh yeah, but no, I totally agree. Um, I, I they look at it from a fresh set of eyes because, you know, this is it's kind of like um, lore. You know, it's passed down. You know, from person to person, player becomes DM, DM passes to new player, new right. player becomes DM, and I mean that's the way that mm-hmm. it has been, um, and some of the the other versions which i think that will bring that up next um you know were a little tougher and some were total fails and you know i mean they were trying to stir things up and some some worked okay others not so good at all uh, version four and uh, <laughs> you know but i think they hit a home run with 5e i yeah. really do mm-hmm. because it i think it it crosses both you know paths that uh, you might like uh, it, it does have enough um yeah what's the word depth yeah you know but it also has enough simplicity that you can jump right in it uh makes it much easier i and i you know and ryan will be my my testament (laughs) i did not want to jump out of 3.5 it was bad enough that i had to go from add to 3.5 because advanced dungeons and dragons was the you know that was the holy grail that was and it's not even the first one but that's the one that would got mm-hmm. the, the the first traction and uh, everybody i knew you know had played that but i think it is i think uh i think that having the new players has made a big difference and i think if we're going to see a lot more dms come out of this uh we've already got uh, joey who was playing and you know he secretly said he's wanted to dm since he was in high school and uh you know he has a chance now 
and he's thrilled to death. Right. He's and you're like thrilled. Clay and Bree talking about wanting yeah. to DM at some point, even oh, if yeah. it's going to be like a one shot or like a shorter campaign. Right. Or yeah, just, just one the fact that they're like willing to jump out there and like do it, you know, that's yeah. more than I can say for a lot of people that I've played for a long time with. And I think that, you know, and if you have an inviting and open game where you're the DM and you're, you're making it fun and they can see how it should be run. I think that makes a big difference. You know, we were talking in a, I think maybe an episode or a while ago, talking about uh, the. Um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. That train went right down the track. Didn't even stop for me. Um, what were we talking about? Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. But uh, you know, it, it does you know make a difference if you have a bully DM. You know mm-hmm. that uh, in that just wants to, you know, do their, their sole purpose is to kill off the entire party. I, I mean, there are some that are out that way. Sure. And we've kind of like touched on that a little bit in our last yeah. episode. And I'm sure that we'll have like a deeper discussion on that in the future yeah, too. I agree. I definitely think that, that that'll come up. But so. yeah, there's definitely a lot of different profiles for toxic DMs that like you are very, they're very prevalent, I would say. Yeah. Luckily it's not the norm, but like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it before. You know, and if you if you encourage your players, you know, to come to you, and you know, if they if they feel that you're doing something, you know, that we're human. We may be doing something and not even thinking about it. Um, you know, I know that if you had a party and there was one player that you weren't really crazy about, I bet if you really look hard at the, at the play and everything that he probably had disadvantage on almost everything maybe not you know right out and you know but you know maybe everybody else would get a eh, maybe a fudge on the roll nope nope you're dead you know i mean you don't realize it but i mean that comes into play now you hope that that never happens you know and i can't imagine somebody who doesn't like you or you don't like would be in your campaign but hey you know it, sometimes it comes with the party you know right. you get a whole group yeah. and that just happens so well with that why don't we switch over to um what versions of D have you dm'd um is it only one have you done several and uh, optimally, what is your favorite version to be a DM? Now, take that, uh, you know, players out of there, okay? You're, you're not a player anymore, just a DM. Because, I mean, I, I can see where, as a player, you know, I might have a different choice. Right. Uh, I can start us off here. So, I've only DM'd five e-games. I haven't done any 3.5 or uh, earlier but what about fourth edition caleb i said or earlier you said 3.5 or earlier uh, that's fair we don't talk about fourth either. there you go <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i i really enjoy doing like dming 5e mainly because of like what you mentioned before of like how other players that i've especially since i've been doing one shots uh how new players especially have been able to figure out different puzzles or, you know, situations that I've had on hand. Like, a lot of the times when I play, or when I DM a game, there's always this one player who wants to do the least amount of combat as possible. Mm. And it's always, like, sort of a pacifist route where instead of, like, oh, there's a guard over there, oh, I'm just going to knock him out, they always will try to either distract the guard or talk to the guard to uh, see, like, you know, what's the normal, like, shift like for, you know, this area. And instead of, you know, going straight into combat... 
they're going to try to just sneak their way through and, you know, take what they can and head out. Paladin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, the, the answer for what I think is the more fun to be DMing. And I think if you're if you're comfortable with 5e there you know you may not want to change it, you know besides the you know seven hundred dollars in rule books you know that <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to make the change um of course with D and beyond now that has made it a much easier there you know everything is pretty much in one place if mm-hmm. you're staying with core if you're going you know outside and, and you know doing homebrew completely then that's a different story but i mean as long as you're keeping somewhat with the core um, I think that is a good thing. You know, I mean, there's no reason to bump around. We have a group that Ryan and I play with, and Caleb has played in the past too. Um, and uh, the, it's great, but they they get the itch after about two or three sessions. You know, well, I don't want, I don't, I'm tired of this player. I want to go, I want to do something else. Let's do a different version. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, I understand that, but... It's really hard on the DM because he's got a whole new set of uh, you know rules that he's got to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, this last time they decided to jump off and we're going to play Pathfinder. Oh, okay. Never played Pathfinder. None of the other players played Pathfinder except, except for Ryan. <laughs> he's the only one. Right. Uh, the DM never played Pathfinder. Mm. And he started setting up, and he he literally reached out to us and said, okay, this is way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Um, and then his brother uh, stepped in to do a – he had, I think it was a module, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a pre-made. It was a pre-made. And uh, so he was going to go ahead and, and just kind of start us off just so that we could, you know, indeed play. And, um, and even he had a heck of a time. You know, it was just – because nobody had played Pathfinder before. And there were so many different things. Um, I like 5e, uh, the feats and some of the, you know, the other stuff I, I get, man, Pathfinder just, it's like, you don't like being able to choose from like a hundred different feats. Oh my gosh. And then all the, um, what is it? The, um, archetypes and all the, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, by the time I, I was halfway done, I kept telling Ryan, my numbers aren't adding up. There's something wrong. I have a <laughs> negative, you know, seven or a negative nine to hit. I said, what the heck did I do? Mm-hmm. And then we look back and, well, okay, well, because I picked a particular archetype, it eliminated my, my ability, my proficiency, weapons, and, armor. and armor. Oh, okay. And so now I get it. I was getting an armor penalty. I was getting a penalty because I was using martial weapons and not, uh, I think it was only simple, I think. You I got like use. simple and a few others. But yeah, but I mean, you know, yeah. so all of a sudden it's like, well, that's ridiculous. Now I had to go back and redo everything, you know? Right. So, I mean, not 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 to knock Pathfinder. I mean, it's I haven't... It's great if you like customization. Like, you can make the exact character that you're envisioning in your head if you spend enough time on it. But it takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> it does. So, like, Session Zero is more important than ever with Pathfinder. Like, mm-hmm. it took me, like, probably over four hours to make a character for Pathfinder, and this is like me, someone who's played a considerable amount of 3.5. I'm very familiar with making a 3.5 character, and I've played a Pathfinder game before. So I'm not 
super inexperienced. I was rusty. I hadn't like been through these source books in a really long time, (laughs) but the fact that like I still had so much time sunk into making this character who I've wrote no backstory for, (laughs) he just (laughs) exists as like stats on a piece of paper and it took so long. And, but yeah, like I'm really happy with what I ended up with though. So, so what would your favorite game to DM be then? Um, yeah, so I've DM'd 3.5, like, one session of Pathfinder, and then 5th edition. And I think my favorite to DM would probably be 5th edition, because it's a lot less, like, number work for the DM. Um, and it gives me a lot more, like, opportunity to focus on story and, like, um, worrying about, like, backstory of characters, where, um... Oh, that I love that part of 5e too. Just um, from a DM perspective, is it forces your players to have a, a backstory, even if it's like super simple. Yeah. Because then it gives me something to write. Like, let's say you're somebody who doesn't care about your backstory at all, but you choose like sailor for like the proficiencies. I can then loop you into the story and be like, "This is your old sailing buddy. You recognize him <laughs> from like when you used to work on like a trade vessel some years ago." And even if they didn't write their backstory, it still gives me something to latch on to and hook into my campaign. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for that specific reason and for, like, what I touched on before with not having to be so number-heavy and, like, keeping track of all the different modifiers that somebody might have on them, um, where in 5th edition it's just, like, do they have advantage or do they have disadvantage? And, you know, you might have, like, a plus 2 or, like, a plus 4 or something, but usually it's only, like, one modifier. So it's a lot easier to keep a handle on, where in 3.5 or Pathfinder you could have, you know, five or six different modifiers from any, like, odd source. And so, yeah, I think 5th edition is probably my favorite to DM, but I wouldn't mind DMing 3.5 or Pathfinder either. It's just kind of like different expectations for a different game. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think you become comfortable with one. You know, I, I really do. I think you're, you know, you're going to find one that just uh, it works and, you know, you have your, your tools, you have your, you know, all your, the DM screen, you know, you've got your books. I honestly don't even know if I could go back and play 3.5 now um, <laughs> because of the just the amount of time we've played with 5e. Um, and again, uh, I have played in several 5e campaigns now. Um, I'm actually okay with it now. I see where there are a lot of pluses to it. Um, you know, the, the purest in me keeps saying it's heresy and, you know, it should, should have never gone past 3.5. But I get it. I totally get it. And I think from, you know, from my standpoint, you know, uh, we went from 3.5 to 4. And um, nobody, yeah. nobody <laughs> adopted it. It was, it was an absolute disaster. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, to the credit of Wizards, I think they realized that pretty quick. Um, but you know, whoever their creative director is, I mean, you know, they, they were trying to do something, but I think, you know, that later spawned, you know, Pathfinder and then 5e. I mean, they just keep it. Right. And I want to say like fourth edition, despite how much we laugh at it and joke about how like it was the worst like edition, it was a really good idea. And I think it was the first stepping stone to what we got in fifth edition, the like simplification of the game and um, just like opening it up to newer players because from like a new player standpoint, 
it's a lot like a video game. You just have like a certain number of moves and it was super easy because no matter what class you picked, like you could play like a cleric and you could still fight and be like a healer and whatever. And so um, it was too oversimplified is what I would say is the issue with fourth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we take a look at fifth edition now and it's kind of like a step between 3.5 and 4. And I think that without fourth edition, we would never end up where we are. And so despite the fact that I would personally prefer not to play in any fourth edition games or run any, I think that it's an important part of like DMs or not DMs, D&D's like history and lifespan. Mm -hmm. And that it's worth recognizing that like a lot of really good ideas did come out of it. It, I agree because I don't think 5e would would have you know been what it is had they not at least attempted that but you're right i mean you know you know hey i'm a cleric i i i I hit him with my sword hey i'm a rogue i hit him with my sword you know i'm a fighter i am healing everybody on the the battlefield i mean it was just a it was just you know kind of it was just too interwoven there was you know because if you're spending your time your class you know that's that's what you're training in and that's always been my my pet peeve on a lot of them, even with, you know, 5e, you know, you spend enough in your, you know, in your feats and skills, you can kind of be, you know, a uh, rogue healer. Right. And, uh, you know, but I can't wrap my mind around, you know, somebody who's stealing my money and then is going to heal me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't. I mean, that's know, where the backstory comes I in. guess so. You know, I mean, that's, and, but that's the beauty of 5e and I will agree with that. Right. And, so, yeah, you know, I you think can play it's an assassination one. rogue with right. like a conscience and then you take like the healer's feet and that gives you <laughs> proficiency with healer's kits and you can uh, right. heal people a little bit. I'm I'm sorry I backstabbed you. Here, I'll stabilize you. Right, exactly. But you're on your own from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I get it. And I would say that 5e is, is is fast become probably my favorite as well. Yeah. So Also, for that assassination healer, you can also just pretend to be a doctor. And then it's like, oh, I got to heal this patient. And then you just... I need to make just... an incision here right <laughs> into his heart. Yeah. Uh-oh. I, I guess I missed. I'm sorry. He's dead now. Here, we'll put a Band-Aid on him. I apparently did not take enough in healing. Turn in the contract. Yeah, I didn't have a high enough wisdom (laughs) score. (laughs) Okay, well, that wraps it up for uh, this edition. We are going to definitely try to get uh, Caleb to come back, uh, and we will do a couple more. Uh, Once Joey gets a little more comfortable, I think we'll bring him in, too. Um, He's still... I would say he's doing really well. Um, I don't think he has that deer in the headlight look anymore. Yeah, he's really right. coming to his own. And he's kind of. In fact, Joey, this episode <laughs> is dedicated to you. <laughs> but uh, I think we we could bring him in as well. Um, and I, I might look in and see if we can get uh, you know uh, maybe I can find one of my old uh, DM buddies and see if we can do uh, you know call a, a call in. in yeah and see if we can do that. That'd be kind of interesting. But uh, anyway. Uh, we will call it today, but uh, stay with us, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, another version with Caleb soon. And uh, our regular uh, episodes uh, will be you know, seasoned here and there, um, and we'll pop these in every once in a while, just to kind of give a little bit of a little bit of a twist, a little pizzazz, a little pizzazz, a little flavor, yeah. extra spice, a little seasoning. Um, should I should I plug the socials? Sure, go Absolutely. ahead. All right, so. Um, 
if you liked this podcast and you want to learn more about it, we have our own website that you can go and visit. It's rollforinsanity.com. So that's roll, the number four, insanity.com. Uh, on there, we have links to all of our social media, like our Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and more i think i still don't i still don't know i'm sorry nathan um but yeah so we've got all of that on there if you want to go follow us on social media we also have um all of our episodes uploaded onto the website directly so you can listen to them there um as well as anywhere else you listen to podcasts um and then we have our uh newsletter that you can sign up for which if you put your email in we will send you an update every single time we release a new episode and if there's anything else we want to fill you guys in on uh and also we have an area for feedback if there's something that you want to hear us talk about or um something that you want us to change or that you think would be good for us uh you can just let us know there and we'll get those directly into our inbox so uh yeah www.rollthenumber4insanity.com <laughs> Bye guys, thanks for joining us. See you later. See ya.